0: If Aaron Draplin wants to go off the record, he can go off the record. Hello, and welcome to episode 145 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Andy Welfuly on head hosting duty tonight. I'm joined by my ever-present cohorts and co-hosts, uh, Tim and John Johnny. Hey guys. Hey, hey Andy. Hey, how are we going? So um, as you all know, uh, we three do not have extensive background in the visual arts, and that's a topic we sometimes find ourselves neglecting on erasable. So uh, a little later when we get to the main topic, we're going to be joined by Tina Koyama, um, who is uh, a stalwart in the erasable uh, Facebook community and in Field Nuts. Uh, She's also an urban sketcher and just a really, really talented artist. So we're going to learn all about the urban sketching movement. Uh, And kind of what kind of gear works best. So um, before we do that, though, let's uh, let's tackle tools, tools of the trade. So, um, Tim, what are you what are you consuming?
1: The first thing I'll mention is a documentary I just watched that is incredible. I really enjoyed it. It's a baseball documentary, but I think it's it's got a pretty universal appeal. It's called Koshien Japan's Field of Dreams, and it's available. It was made and made available on ESPN. So if you have ESPN Plus, like if you do that bundle with Hulu and Disney Plus, or whatever, you can watch it. And so Koshien is the name of a field, uh, and then there's a tournament uh, in Japan. Uh, it's like a tournament named after that field, and it is the high is four thousand high schools across Japan compete in a single elimination tournament called Koshien. Hmm. Okay. And I, I listened to an interview with the director, and she described it in for, for Japan. This is like if Americans took uh, March Madness and combined it with the Super Bowl. Is like how big of a deal it is there. Uh, yeah. It's it's a bigger deal than pro baseball. And so they this this documentary follows two of the teams. I mean, they train year round to get ready for this tournament, and it's just a really fascinating glimpse into Japanese culture and Japanese baseball because uh, they they say that they when when ba- baseball came to Japan, it the only way for sports to make sense to the Japanese people was to turn it into an educational tool. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, so they, they did that. And so, I mean, these kids that are on these teams, they have to dress a certain way. They have to address people a certain way. They have to learn about like how to carry yourself, your manners. They're picking up trash on the sides of fields. I mean, it's just like really intense and really fascinating. So it follows two teams, uh, like one legendary coach and one kind of up and coming coach. So it's, it's definitely worth watching. I I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been reading Jurassic Park, the novel by Michael Crichton, for the first time. Oh yeah, the uh, because I'm going to be teaching it this year, which I'm super excited about. At my uh, my new, I have a new job at a like a STEM high school, a tech high sort of tech based high school here uh, in East Tennessee, and so that is a, kind of a perfect fit for that type of school because it's his books are so science heavy and, and also but it's just a page turner. It's just a great book. And I've I'd never read it before and it is so good. It's blowing my mind. Like I'm just enjoying every every page of it. So have either of you ever read Jurassic yeah. Park?
2: Yeah. I have. Um like twenty five years ago. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> like I'm the just, movie came out. <laughs> yeah. But I've just been tickled like while I've been reading it. And I was like, this is so good. I just want to keep reading. And it's also like there's just a lot there to think about. And it's uh the movie's excellent, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the book kind of as its own thing, yeah. which I yeah, mean, Michael I haven't Crichton seen, I haven't, great. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie in, I don't know, 10 years or something too. So, yeah. um, yeah. And then the last thing I'll mention is that I've been reading the last few days, a lot of, uh, poetry of Billy Collins. Awesome. I was <laughs> yeah, drawn, uh-huh. dr- I was drawn back to him. Uh, I heard him on, uh, Cheryl Strayed, author of wild has a podcast through the New York times called sugar calling where she just calls people she's close with and has these like kind of off the cuff uh, conversations, Um, you know, like, like a lot of those sort of like whatever you call like long format interviews, but it's, they're actually only like 30 minutes, but she talked to Billy Collins and it was so great. And it was like, man, I need to get back to him. So I, I had about five of his books downstairs and so I just started flipping through and then I actually went online and ended up uh, buying his uh, masterclass in reading and writing poetry yeah. That I haven't started yet, but I um uh, really excited about that. He's he's wonderful nice. and I love hearing him talk. So yeah. but yeah, that's that's most of it. And I am writing with a Mitsubishi Hayuni in an F. And I'm using a flagged by Ellen field notes.
2: Oh, cool. Nice. Some yeah. Johnny, how about you? Oh. Um I finished that enormous Walt Whitman bio and learned a lot of stuff about Walt Whippen that was not as interesting as I thought it would be. Uh, and no mention of any of his stationary habits, which I found really disappointing.
1: Boo! Yeah, <laughs> how dare they? Boo.
2: <laughs> but I, I followed that up with um, that French novel called The Red Notebook, about a red moleskin that's in a purse that a guy finds. And uh, he also owns a bookstore called The Red Notebook. So it was, you know, a cute little... Novel about Paris. It's a quick read, <laughs> and like, um,
1: there was no stationery in this. I'm going to take the like hardest left turn I can to get back to stationery.
2: <laughs> only stationery. <laughs> the cover of the book is a little cafe table with a notebook and a pen. I'm like right on. Wow. This is what's up. I was saving it. Sold. It like, <laughs> like after I read something long, I'm going to read this cute little book. But it was you know way too short and Amelie-ish in a good way. Yeah. No spoilers. And it was there. There's no adult situations of Charlotte read it. She liked it too. Um, and I just watched one episode of the English game, which is about soccer on Netflix. Have You guys seen any of the. No. We've almost
1: started it several times. Uh Jane's parents loved it. And so we've been. planning yeah, to, but just haven't yet.
2: Yeah. Like that novel. I've just kind of like had that in the hopper. Like when, when things start looking crappy, I'm going to watch that show and super enjoyable. And um I think I mentioned Freud on here before, that show that's on Netflix. I think it's um a German Austrian production, so it's it's all in German and I'm really ashamed by how little I pick up. I have to use the subtitles. But um it's so dark and just, like ridiculously creepy. It's awesome. But um I have to watch it late at night when everybody's asleep cuz nobody wants to watch it. <laughs> but um there's a lot of good stationary in the background which is cool and um in the first episode you noticed that he had a lot of ink on his hand even though he never held a pen i thought that was a nice detail yeah and um i'll talk more about this later but i'm writing in a vintage french school children's notebook and using a an old and new single barrel 106 from musgrave that matches the musgrave shirt that i'm wearing right now actually i have the blue one Nice. Yeah. How about you, Andy?
0: Oh wow. Um so Katie and I pretty, pretty quickly went through, you know, we love we love like documentary television about food. Um and there's one that just hit Hulu. Um actually, you know what? It just went off Hulu. So maybe I shouldn't even talk about it. But uh it's co- it's called Broken Bread. Uh it's by um the Roy Choi, who is that um uh LA um food truck chef who started Koji, which is that uh, Kogi, um, that Korean taco truck, basically invented Korean tacos. Uh, He basically talked about like, you know, food and social justice. So he visited a, um, like a a kitchen of a nonprofit that takes uh, leftover food from like hotel catering and turns them into like, you know, free free meals for the homeless. Uh, He talks about like urban gardens. He talks about people who like use uh, sustainable farming. Really, really good. Um if you it's not it just went off Hulu. So uh <laughs> if you can find it, you should watch it. It's really great. <laughs> so
1: you'll never be able to see it again. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um we also um have been getting through uh the latest season, of The Crown, uh the one the first one with Olivia Coleman. And uh Johnny, have you have you watched it? Yeah. Um Yeah. You, you didn't tell me that out? um Larry Durrell is uh Prince Charles. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, he's really, really good.
0: Yeah, Yeah, he's so good, and he's, like, so different than Larry.
1: Yeah, Um, he does a great job on the ground. He
0: does such a good job. At first, I was like, oh, there's no way he'll be able to pull it off. Like, you know, Larry Durrell was really cocky and, you know, just kind of, like, confident and kind of a womanizer, and Charles is just such a – just, like, kind of snivelly. And, no, I mean, I I guess that's why they call it acting, because he did – (laughs) <laughs> he did a really good job. Yeah. And that, that, that uh,
1: best. Charles heavy episode is my, yeah. one, my favorite ever of the show. That's definitely it's my so
0: good. I've learned so much about like the history of, of whales and kind of like what it means when they call Charles, the Prince of right whales and like how that happens. So yeah, that was, that was a really good episode. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, speaking of, um, you know, things on things on television, um, like every single other person on the planet, um, I watched uh, Hamilton on uh, July fourth when it came to Disney Plus, and you know I um, did. Did you too, Tim? You saw it, right? I oh, haven't yeah. seen it at all yet. Johnny, did you? Do you have Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. Do you have the house? Yeah. Um, I um,
2: uh, I forgot about it. I think my yeah. family watched it. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so Hiding. I. I got to see it on New
0: Year's Eve live. Um, the San Francisco, Katie and I spent a crap load of money and went to go see it when, back when you could still go to the big, big theaters with other people in it. Um, and it was, it was really, it was really good there. But you know what, you know, we were sitting on the upper balcony kind of toward the back and there's just so much detail that you miss when you're back there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, yeah, just like the, the close ups and the, the filming of it was, was super good. Um, yeah,
1: they did a great job, and I I hadn't never seen it in person. Yeah, and I think I had listened there. You know, there are a few tracks that I knew really well off the soundtrack, and then I had listened through the whole thing maybe twice over the last couple of years. You know, and so a lot of them felt really fresh to me. And there were, there are were a couple moments throughout that just I it just just keep kind of going through my head over, over and yeah. over again. Jane and I had the best time. I mean, we watched it over two nights because it's so long, and we yeah. kept like we try, kept trying to start it for a couple nights in a row, but we didn't, uh, we couldn't start it until like nine thirty. And I was like, I'm not staying up until one. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but man, it's so good. Uh, so good. That, I think my, th- I love that, uh, cause I had no idea it was coming cause I had totally forgotten about it. But when Thomas Jefferson comes into it with that, what did I miss song?
0: Oh yeah.
1: Gosh, I was <laughs> yeah. So good. Cracking up.
0: Yeah. I, um, so I'm a big fan of the musical 1776, which is, you know, about sort of like the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And mm-hmm. John Adams is the, the main character. And I I really love um, how how differently they... Hamilton in 1776 pr- portrays these characters. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Thomas Jefferson in um, 1776 is just sort of this like, you know, kind of like shy, dreamy writer who just doesn't really want to be there. He just wants to hang out with his wife. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. and by the time... Um, you know, Hamilton, which takes place maybe 15, 20 years later, rolls around. Um, he's just this, like, super cocky, um, like, oh, yeah, everybody loves me. I'm a superstar. And he sings that What, are you, what Did I Miss song. and Yeah. Yeah. It's, and and then, you know, John Adams was, I mean, who was certainly obnoxious and obnoxious and disliked, as the song goes in 1776, was, like, not, <laughs> not present in Hamilton, but they refer to him a couple times. Yeah, they say, like, um,
1: he doesn't have a real job, and he's the vice yeah. president. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's so, so good it, it was lin-manuel lin-manuel miranda is just such a l- lyrical genius and you know he it certainly wasn't a, a one-man show like there was so many other people involved like i i think that yeah um renee Elise Goldsberry is just like one of the most talented singers and actors just ever mm-hmm. um she plays angelica schuyler so, um, so i mean everybody's just really great that's such a such a good show so there's actually i I was reading some trivia about it and you know in the um no spoilers in the um the the musical in hamilton uh sometime in the second act um uh eliza has a song where she's um burning a letter that um alexander wrote her and she's she's singing Mm -hmm. and kind of like burning this letter and like putting it into a trash can and apparently this is relevant to paper um Apparently, they have this special um, special paper that when you when you light it on fire, it only burns for two minutes and nine seconds, which is like the length of time it takes to like get through the that's part of the song. So then it has extinguished itself by the time uh, the blackout happens. So it's not lighting it up. They can have a true blackout.
1: All right, so come on, come on, field notes.
0: What? Give yeah. a, give a, give a, edition. Give us the
1: give us the notebook that we can light on fire and it will burn for two minutes, yeah. and nine seconds, and then yeah,
2: <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Yeah, that would be that. Yeah. edition yeah. number forty-five. <laughs> Terrible.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, I am I am writing uh, not in one of those pieces of paper, but in my Leuchtturm no- notebook with my my Viking school pencil, my school by Latin or whatever it's called.
2: Oh, so I'm using a Loic term right now. That's one of those Bauhaus ones, and it's yellow with black trim, which would match oh, yeah. that pencil uh-huh. just right.
0: Nice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I saw you when you switched to that. That looked that looked really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Fresh Points. Let's switch over there. Um, Tim, what are your what are you up to in Fresh Points?
1: First thing I'll mention is kind of goes back to my. I kind of I'm going to say it now because I forgot to mention it when I was doing my consuming stuff uh but about billy collins and i might have talked about this a long long time ago but he is one of those writers that uh you can read his handwritten uh you know his handwritten drafts and stuff online Mm -hmm. because he's donated all of his his papers to the university of texas and he's also on record saying what his favorite notebook is which is just like my favorite thing to to come across because he's always he always uses the same thing and so he i'll put it in the show notes but he uh, writes in pen, but he always uses. He says a Uniball Onyx, which is like one of those uh, round black-barreled pencils that's kind of slim. Uh, he uses the uni- mm. uh, Uniball Onyx, and the the notebook he uses are called Blue Line notebooks, mm. which they're about like eight bucks on Amazon, marked down from ten. So they're an inexpensive inexpensive notebook, but they're hardback and they're like seven by nine inches. So. It's from what I've seen, and I ordered one, but I haven't gotten it yet. But it's it seems like it's going to be very similar to like those red and black notebooks. Yeah, yeah. because it's a oh, it's called like a hardback business notebook, which is so freaking stupid. that It's called a business, <laughs> notebook. But, uh, That's but yeah, for my important business, I got to do my business in this notebook. <laughs> There's a lot of important business here, uh, so yeah. So I just thought that was a fun little thing, and then you can go online and you can look up uh and I'll, I'll maybe i'll try to put this in the show notes but you can look up uh, scans like or p- photographs of his notebooks where you can see drafts of poems like when he wrote the the names of the poem that he read at a joint session of congress at the at ground zero uh for mm. 9-11 that he was asked because he was poet laureate at the time of 9-11
0: yeah
1: which is a wonderful amazing powerful poem uh, but you can see the drafts and how he like goes through his process and writes the poems. That's uh, That kind of thing is always really fascinating. It's like those, those Walt Whitman ones you can read, which are of course better because it's Whitman and it's in pencil, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. So I just thought those notebooks would be a cool thing to, to point out if anybody's a Billy Collins fan, curious about that. And they're called blue line notebooks. Oh, sorry. Blue line note pro is what this one says. Blue line <laughs> executive journal. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh wow.
0: Blue
1: line composition business notebook. God, I'm gonna need that. <laughs> yeah, I already ordered one. So I'm I'm so pro
2: like I'm using school notebooks. This isn't right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. So They're made in Canada. Uh, yeah. Neat. Yeah. So uh yeah, there's that. I am uh getting so I, I mentioned that I got a new job, so I'm moving into a new school, and I don't have a classroom, which I think is great. I'm looking forward to that. That it's like an open, it's kind of an open format school, and so you're you don't have a classroom, you don't have a your own office. It's just everybody's always in working in like a collaborative space, which I'm really looking forward to. So, but as far as desk space, they have like a long, like bar high table that all the teachers have a station at in the Hmm. in the workroom and so i've just got a section like a little section of that table where all my stuff goes and so i wanted you guys to give me some input Hmm. on like sort of like a minimal setup because i'm very dedicated to not having like a bucket of a million different pencils like i literally want to choose like one kind of pencil one kind of pen and like just like be zeroed in because i'm going to be busy there and it's a new year and i just don't want to be distracted uh, by this stuff
0: you should bring your um, uh, your Dudek uh, block yeah, there, yeah, yeah. so you're like you're going to be constrained by like the, you know, by the number of like holes that you can fit in that. Yeah,
1: and that's I was actually I was thinking about that because I've got two to choose from. I've got the one that I had him make that's like the square one that has the notebook slot on the left, and then it has three pencils and three pens. I was like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. But then, but I also have the the giant or like a bigger one that's like six pens and six pencils with the notebooks in the middle but i I, but if like i do that i'm literally gonna put like six of the same pen six six of the same (laughs) pencil because i just don't want to i just don't want to think about it while i'm there because it's just going to be a big transition yeah but like choosing one sharpener like i want to have like a sharpener there but i don't want to be i don't want to ever be like in a situation i'm like should i use this or this because i just i need to move and like get stuff done (laughs) yeah um do you do you, will you be like keeping your laptop there like docking it uh yes yeah
0: mm-hmm. and do you have like an external monitor that goes there too
1: no it's just i'm um, it's just like a they've got like a little shelf almost like above where you can like put your laptop oh, up and then like have your notebook down
0: okay cool mm-hmm. um that's so. a good question i i'm a big um i'm a big fan of like those like a little desk like felt pad or something like that um mm-hmm. If you can find one that like is the, you know, the right, the right dimensions for that space, like that, plus like a little like deck block. And like just a, if you have like a big notebook and a little notebook, just kind of like stack them on the side. Um, yeah. yeah. that's. that's
1: I think I'm going to use one of the, I have one of those uh, Baron Fig desk pads, like the smaller ones. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So I'm going to put one of those on there. And so for that was what I was thinking for the pen, as far as narrowing it down to just like a pen and pencil is I, I'm, I think I'm just going to take some Blackwing naturals with me. Mm-hmm. um, And that's, that's all that'll be. And then for pens, I think I'm going to be using, um, I really like jet streams. So yeah. there's a, uh, I like those 1.0 jet streams, like the kind of fatter line. So I'm going to take those. And then I, I am going to take like a cup of the uh, inner, what are they called? Papermate mate, uh, gel, the cowboys oh, ink joy gel, uh, the colored ones to use for like marking on stuff. So, I'm gonna have like colored of those. I'm gonna have some jet streams, and then I'm gonna have some either blackwing naturals or uh, some uh, uh, the 9852 EW. I can't decide between those. It's gonna be one of those Damn. for the first round. This so it's is like I'm gonna take oh, six, yeah. I'm gonna take six memorable. pencils to school, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take six pencils to work. When those six pencils are gone, I can change to a different pencil, but I just don't want to think about
2: it. <laughs> so if I were going to go super minimal, I would take in like um, one or two, four color pens from Bic and like a pack of mechanical Bic pencils
1: and just be done. Ugh. I know. But that's that's
2: so boring. <laughs>
1: You're fired. But- <laughs> You just got canceled, Johnny. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a
2: new um big four color pen this year for the anniversary. It's purple, and they got rid of the green ink for purple.
1: Oh, oh that's yeah.
2: Good. You're like, oh, oh cool. yeah. <laughs>
0: Get a link to that in show notes. I would. Yeah. I'd buy some. I forgot bags. where I bought it.
2: I've looked, at it, but yeah, they're they're cool in person. It's more like indigo, but um, no. yeah, I would do like a pack of crystals and a pack of Ticonderogas, especially if it's like out in the open. Like hey, people! I bought you some black wings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's not students. Students are nowhere near it. So, and I've only got like nine coworkers. So I'm not worried about that. Be in close contact, <laughs> but uh, that I am going to take a fountain pen, Johnny. So Johnny's been a, he has thrust me back into the fountain pen world. Like I've been using <laughs> fountain pen like crazy. I don't know I what you're talking yes, about. That's right. He's Johnny like he, Gamber. He's going to deny every, every bit of it, but, uh, but I'm outing got my, you right now. Prove it. I've got, uh, I ordered, <laughs> oh, I got texts. I got a text thread that'll light you up and, um, <laughs> it's got so many pictures of fountain pens, but I, I, so I've got our school colors are maroon and gray. And so I ordered a uh, Jinhao because we, we've been talking a lot about those like cheaper uh, Chinese fountain pens, mm-hmm. and some of them are knockoffs or whatever, which is like got its own like ethical gray area there. But uh, but the Jinhao nine nine two, which is gray, and I'm loading it with maroon ink, and so Wait, I have that at school as well. You got yours? Hmm. No, I didn't get it yet. But it's oh,
2: it's, mine, I mine didn't come yet. Mine's still in China. No, but
1: that's that's my plan. That's the one that's going to live <laughs> at school. I'm just going to keep it there all the time. Not going to take it home. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm I'm dedicated to minimalism. I am gonna take. So I cleaned out my classroom today to uh, at my old school, and I had so many pencils, like such an incredible amount of pencils at school. So I am still gonna have like I'm gonna take a box and just like put it out for the students. Like I'm just gonna scatter them around the school for people to use because I got so many Forest Choice and uh, Right dudes and all these pencils that I had gathered to use in school. So I'm still gonna take those, but I'm 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 gonna limit myself.
2: (laughs) So. Um, I think someone posted in our group recently that the right dudes don't seem
1: to be cedar anymore. I haven't bought bought them in like two years, so I, I God, bought a I huge haven't amount of
2: That makes me sad.
1: That's a bummer. Yeah. I'm glad I have
2: a whole yeah. shit ton of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pencil box that's like bursting at the seams full of the natural ones because I love them very much.
1: Those are great pencils. Those are great.
2: Yeah, let me know yeah. if you guys need like a dozen or two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that's all I've got, so that's that's what's going on with me. How about you, Johnny
2: um, so the only interesting things I have to talk about involve like handwriting lessons with my children and French rolled paper so that's um, sound great yeah <laughs> so have you guys seen the um, i don't know how to pronounce it Sayes, but French rolled paper uh s e y e s but they're accent marks. But um it's No, I don't think so. So have you ever seen like how French oh. cursive looks just like really cool and you're like, why does it look so neat? It's because of Oh, that's the,
0: the like really tight rule where it's like wider than it is tall, right?
2: Yeah. Or everything is like yeah, yeah, yeah. in thirds. So your lowercase letters are one third the size of your uppercase letters, and on the page it looks so cool. Hmm. So um I found a seller on eBay that had a bunch of them and I bought like twenty of them. They're not here yet. One is here, and like I'm really excited. It's really cool. And um, they're like really cheap. I can't imagine how much they cost when they were new notebooks. They're just like sewn together, and the paper is amazing. You can use anything, and it looks really good. So, um, with you know being stuck at home, I wanted to do something useful this summer, and uh, my handwriting sucks, so I could do some practice. So we do handwriting lessons three or four times a week. So Charlotte is like mastered cursive. And has, like, a whole slew of own fountain pens. And now Henry, who's a lefty and not so good with printing, he's just kind of skipping it and moving on to cursive. Which makes me very happy. So there's a lot of, like, ink and stuff all over the place here.
0: Hmm.
2: So, yeah. He, had, he There's something about the way he writes. He has trouble with things that have a ball. Like, the angle just doesn't work for him. So he likes pencils and, like, really wet fountain pens. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he got one of those like Jinhao shark pens today, and he's like really excited. He came and, what kind of ink can I have? Like, Whatever you want. And you know, I only have <laughs> one kind of ink because I don't actually like fountain pens. So, no, oh, yeah, that's... it's blue. <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, but um, I've it's it's. But how many different blues do you have, Johnny Gamber? Uh, five. <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> wait! I'm a liar. Four, there, there you go. Um, Do you
0: have a French a French blue to put in your French ruled paper? I uh, used
2: Waterman, uh, an old Waterman Reflex, which was like a school pen, um, with Waterman blue in there, and it looks so good. It's so satisfying. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you have kids that have ADHD and are left handed and terrible handwriting, this is a good time to work on it. <laughs> and like you know he he feels really good about it he's like i'm he's so proud he's like cursive is the only way that's fun to write like, awesome
1: that's that's good, <laughs> very yeah. proud
2: of the little boy and tomorrow yeah. is rosie's fourth birthday which has nothing to do with anything but happy bestial happy birthday, day
0: rosie <laughs> oh happy birthday rosie
2: yeah she's very excited she thinks oh. she's getting a fountain pen she is not <laughs> 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 no she actually likes to use um I have I think I showed you guys I have a pen cup that's a bit crystal cap. Yeah. So um it's full of like all the colors of bit crystal that's what she likes to use. Cool. Yeah. So how about you Andy? Um
0: I just have one. I um so I moved uh I moved apartments since I think last we we spoke. Um we basically in the same neighborhood in San Francisco just we moved down the to the bottom of the hill cuz um and 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 really the best part about it is that it's uh two bedrooms so Katie and I have kind of separate spaces for for working and podcasting um and that just means that i had to sort of like briefly reconcile with my pencil collection <laughs> uh in order to move it so i did a I did a little bit of uh pruning um but i yeah i've just been trying to find a better way to organize uh organize my pencils and Really, I just like, you know, at the moment I have several pencil cups around the house, which, you know, is kind of the, what I call the Johnny Gember method. Uh, <laughs> but I, I also just have like, you know, boxes full of boxes of pencils in like one of those um, uh, Ikea Calix, uh cabinets, like the, the little square cubbies that they have. So really, yeah, that's kind of how they remain. But I've I've definitely taken um, taken stock of the pencils that I you know have have out and that I um, am using kind of regularly. So that's that's that was a good that was a good chance to do that. Um, I have been hanging a lot of crap on the walls, and uh, I've I've discovered as I'm sort of like measuring where to put the hole and like how to how to hang it. Um, I've I've noticed that I have a use for my harder German pencils, and that is writing on the wall um mm-hmm. just kind of like making a very just just light mark um on which like on which to like you know hang a, a picture so i've been using um just a nice fabric estelle to do that so i i typically you know prefer a slightly softer pencil so like i have all these like slightly harder pencils and i just don't like like them that much but that's a it's a really good thing for when you're hanging and then it erases pretty easily then you know once you got your your um your hole hammered in there. So nice. yeah, that's that's about it on my end. Um
1: Hey Broken we... Bread is on Amazon Prime. Oh really? How many seasons are there?
0: Uh I think there's just one. Yeah. Um, it's on, it's, it's on like Amazon ten, Amazon Prime. ten episodes. Oh nice. Okay. Uh, yeah go uh,
1: I think it's like six or seven or so it's there Yeah six episodes,
0: something like that. Six. Yep, six. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Go go watch it on Amazon Prime if you have you have that nice cool all right do you all want to get teen on the phone and talk about urban sketching
1: yeah yes absolutely
0: okay and uh now we are here with our main topic and uh this is really exciting um we're talking to somebody who is uh just a major staple of the erasable facebook group um and somebody who has multiple times contributed to Plumbago and is just a really, really kind, warm, welcoming member of the community. Um, She's also an urban sketcher, uh, which she's going to talk to us a little bit about, and somebody I had the pleasure of meeting um, when I was in Seattle um, about a year ago. So let's please welcome Tina Koyama. Hey, Tina.
3: Hello. You know, this is like so thrilling to me. I can't believe I'm talking to you guys. Oh,
0: my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, we um, you know, Tina is one of like just the, the best kind of like present friendly friendliest faces within the erasable group. Um Aww. Yeah, you do a lot of and you you know you're really active in field notes, excuse me, field nuts. And I we you know we just had Aaron Draplin on the last episode and I one of the one of my favorite things is your giant photorealistic shirt of Aaron Draplin's face. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Scary though, kinda, isn't
0: it? It is. <laughs> just like this. <laughs> Big, giant, you know, bearded, glaring guy on just this, <laughs> just on your on your torso is really great. Oh
3: yeah, and, and when I go like to an event, I I part the crowd with that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure
0: you do. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. So so Tina, you've been a pretty active uh, group member for a while, um, but for those of us who may listen to the podcast um, and not and aren't in the group, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure. My background is all in writing. Um, I got a master's degree in creative writing. And I spent my career doing marketing writing for corporate America, basically, and then later as a freelancer. But so all my background is in writing. And I I didn't do very much creative writing after I got my degree, though. It was after that, it was all just, you know, boring stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you do, I feel like you told me once that you were a technical writer at Microsoft. Was that right?
3: Not a technical writer. It was it was marketing writer. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, yes, yeah. I did. I, I did work there. Yes.
0: Cool. And uh, <laughs> what are you doing nowadays? I know you you're pretty well known through the group for for your sketches, but yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm mostly retired, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically not. I guess. I mean, I I still could do some freelancing, but really, you know, working sucks. <laughs> I really like being retired. <laughs>
1: Agreed. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and um and also you I know that you do some um, you you have your own blog and then you also um uh, guest blog on Anna's on Well Appointed Death. Yes, yes
3: yeah. I am, and that's a lot of fun. Yes, I and I that's given me a lot of great opportunities, and I I love writing reviews anyway. And she you know lets me do pretty much whatever I want. I have a ton of fun doing that for her. Yes,
2: awesome. So um, I sort of have a vague notion of what urban sketching is because it seems self-explanatory, but, um, could you give us like the longish definition of this contemporary art phenomenon, or like your sure. definition?
3: Uh, Well, the basic concept of urban sketching is not new. You know, people have been, you know, for artists have forever, you know, they're they're drawing and painting what they see. Um, Painters call it plein air. So so that part of it is not new at all. That's been going on forever. Um, But traditionally, artists took those sketches that they did in the field and they brought them back to the studio to then turn into finished paintings, for example. So that's kind of always been the traditional concept of a sketch. And I think um, there's two important things that distinguish uh, contemporary urban sketching and from other types of art. And and both of these are part of the Urban Sketchers Manifesto, in case you didn't know that we do have a manifesto. So I, oh, yeah. I put that in the show awesome. links. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is that, you know, everything is done on location and from direct observation. So not from photos, not from imagination. And, and this is kind of significant um, because there's there are many, many artists who will do paintings from photos, but not us. And um, the other part that's um, tied into this is that the sketch itself becomes the end product. It's not something that gets refined later in the studio. So I think that's, that's pretty distinctive for ur- the urban sketchers as we're talking about it. And um, the second part of it, and this, is, this might be a little bit less, lesser known, but it's kind of the storytelling aspect. Um, The person, I'll tell you a little bit more about him later, but um, the person who founded Urban Sketchers, Gabi Campanario, he is a journalist and part of his impetus for urban sketching has always been that every sketch has a story to tell. And, you know, when I say, when I tell that to people about the story, um, you know, I don't mean like, you know, a big story arc or, you know, a journalism story or anything like that. For me, personally, the story might just be, you know, uh, these trash cans are in the alley, so it must be Thursday in the Maple Leaf neighborhood. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> it's, it's not like a huge deal or anything, but um, I, I guess the whole, the the movement behind or or the the soul behind urban sketching is about that, that every time you make a sketch, you're telling a little story to whoever views it. So those are the two, I think, the important things that kind of, make it distinctive from the old uh, traditional uh, definition of of sketching. I love that. Oh, and then I do want to just say a little bit about Gabi. So Gabi Campanario happens to live in Seattle, but he is the founding father of the urban sketchers movement. And this started out in a very, um, uh, it was basically him. You know, he he is a journalist for The Seattle Times and he has a column in The Seattle Times. But when he started out, um, he was basically just drawing pictures in his neighborhood and he was posting them all to his Flickr account. And, you know, this is back in 2007 when Flickr was kind of like social media, sort of.
0: Oh, yeah. I so, loved <laughs> Flickr back then.
3: Yeah. So he started noticing, he started looking around and started noticing that there were lots of other sketchers all over the world who were doing the same thing he was. And he thought, wow, this is really cool. I want to see them all in one place. So he created a Flickr group called Urban Sketchers. And that's basically how the Urban Sketchers movement began in 2007. And he started inviting all these sketchers that he saw online to post into that group. And that was really the beginning. And then now, you know, there's like, I don't know, tens of thousands of people worldwide who are doing all kinds of amazing things. So it's um, it really uh, grew from there.
1: Nice. And so for for you in particular, what was it that drew you as an artist to urban sketching?
3: Well, you know, my whole life, um, I saw myself as not a very uh, visual person. I, I knew that I was a creative person, but I'm not in visual arts. And But my whole adult life, I really wanted to learn to draw. So, you know, I would read these how-to books, and sometimes I would go to classes. And and often I found them really boring. It'd be like, you know, oh, set up these boxes and make this still life, you know. or Or, or even in class, they would pull out these... Really dusty-looking vases that you know they got from some thrift store, and they don't have any meaning for me. And I'm supposed to sit there and draw. And you know, I understood the the reason why we had to study art that way, but it was super boring to me. And I kept quitting. I, I would draw for a little while, then I'd stop for a year. I did again for a little bit, and then I stopped. I went through many, many cycles of this. And then um, nine years ago, I started hearing about this urban sketching thing. And then I started seeing just all these amazing sketches from all over the world. And all of a sudden, it really just resonated with me. I thought, you know, this is something, it's about me. It's about my life. I get it. And the important thing there was uh, I started practicing because I did it. It it had meaning to me, so it made me want to practice. And really, the only way you become good at drawing is by practicing. So that's, I've been drawing every day since then.
0: Um, so Tina, that I, I like to think that, you know, when you're, you know, doing urban sketching involves sitting, you know, sitting in a coffee shop, pe- watching people, but I know that you've also, um, you know, like in some of the, uh, like erasable video calls that John Morris has organized, you know, you, you're you sitting watching, you know, watching your screen and drawing the people on the screens. So um, like what generally, like, Broad themes. What does an urban sketching session look and feel like?
3: Mm. Well, I, I you know, in the winter, I mean, you know, the, the good sketching weather in Seattle is very short. So a lot of the winter and the when it's pouring rain or cold, I, I am in coffee shops and I also go out a lot in my car. Um, you know, I can just sit in my car and sketch sometimes. I do a lot of that in, in the bad time of year. But uh, like right now, and during this short, beautiful season, I like to be outside as much as I can. So um, my, my, I guess I'll call it my principle of urban sketching is that I don't have a separate sketch kit. My sketch kit is an integrated part of my everyday carry. And the reason that's important to me is because I want to be able to sketch when it wherever I am. So, you know, Back in the day when we used to actually go somewhere, you know, like I might, <laughs> I might, you know, actually be going somewhere or on the way home from something, and then I see something, I can just pull out, pull over, and get out of my car and start sketching. I don't have to um, say, "Oh, rats! I forgot my sketch kit at home," or or whatever it is. It always is a part of my um, part of my daily carry. So that's kind of an important principle that hmm. I like to have. Um, and the second thing is, I I mean, if you want to visualize me out there, um, I don't like to sit. I, I know a lot of sketchers who like to bring along a little stool or a folding chair or something. You know, And I, I know I have some friends who have those big old chairs with the, you know, the, the cup holders and the handle. <laughs> and, and they, you know, they carry all this stuff around. And, and that's great if you if you want to do that. But I don't like to. I like to really, you know, pack light. So I, and I like to be on my feet when I sketch. So everything I bring has to be really portable and I like to just leave my bag on my shoulder and, you know, stand wherever I want and do it. And, you know, who knows, I might need a quick getaway in case somebody (laughs) doesn't like where I'm standing or who, (laughs) who knows, but, but anyway, that I just wanted to give you kind of the picture. So that's, that's kind of what I look like. I'm always just on my feet.
2: Nice. Cool. So um, where does urban sketching fit into the sphere of um, contemporary art? Like, is it showing up in galleries and shows besides just Instagram and um, social media?
3: Yeah, um, there are lots of the um, local urban sketchers groups. So so urban sketchers as a network is made up of, you know, many, many small groups all over the place. Each city might have one or, um, you know, just based on the geography and there are lots of these local groups who um, they sponsored their own exhibitions for example and then a lot of urban sketchers are also professional artists and so they're putting their sketches up in you know up on gallery walls just like any other you know paintings on canvases so um really I, I think it's not it's not too far away from regular art it's just it's just that people don't think of it that way but it is
1: So every art movement has its heroes. So who are some urban sketchers our listeners should follow Maybe people that you, uh, follow regularly or some of you, you, you always keep up with that you think is a good kind of touchstone for the, for the genre.
3: Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't prepare a list. I have a, I have many, many people that I like to follow. Um, Hmm. Uh, Suhita Shrodekar is one that I, I would say she's, um, she lives in San Jose. She's an instructor for urban sketchers. And, um, one of the things that she, she, I guess I would say my heroes, my urban sketching heroes are the ones who can sketch anywhere, uh, anytime under any situation. (laughs) Um, she can, she'll never say no to anything. So I would say she is one, um, oh gosh i i wish i'd um i I will probably have like more names in a in the show notes if you want (laughs) yeah i i I will do that because i i didn't really think about that
0: oh no worries um well i would love to talk about you know this is a a show about pencils and paper and, and tools after all um really love to talk about your gear um can you maybe give us like a quick list of what's in your specific kit um, in your particular EDC, and then um, we might like have some more questions about like the characteristics of of these of what makes a good urban sketching kit?
3: Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My my favorite topic is talking about tools. Uh, My basic kit is just a sketchbook and colored pencils and a marker. Usually those are kind of my basic things. And then um, depending on my mood or, or kind of seasonally, because I tend to be more color oriented um, in the summer, spring, those months. And then in the winter when everything's kind of gray, then I kind of go more into graphite or more uh, monochrome. So depending on the season or my mood, I'll, I'll, Put you know different things in, but the basic kit is always colored pencils, a sketchbook, and the marker. So that's kind of the the high level.
0: It seems like you often have. um, It it looks like a white gel pen, but maybe it's a a white colored pencil because it seems like you always have some like nice white accents on colored paper. Yes,
3: yes, yes. That's uh, specifically I kind of have when I'm sketching in my red sweet tooth. I yeah. do have, um, yes, um, the, the black marker I use there, and then the white jello pen, uh, those, those are kind of the two together, yeah.
2: Nice. Cool. So speaking of uh, sweet tooth, um, what are some good um, papers or notebooks or things on which you draw that you like to use for urban sketching?
3: I I guess I have two basic sizes. My main sketchbook is a soft cover Stillman and Burn sketchbook, which um, it's about a five ish size, I guess. And that's that's kind of like the one that I use color in. And, you know, if, uh, if I have some time, if I have like at least a half an hour to sketch, I'll use that. Um, but then like uh, I also carry always a pocket size one, uh, like a sweet tooth usually, or sometimes I use those unrolled signatures. And you know, I also carry an expedition sometimes like on a rainy day, I take my expedition out there because it's the only thing that you can ride on in the rain. And I have <laughs> sketched in that too. Um, that size is so perfect because it's very uh, discreet. Like if you pull that out on a bus or um, in a coffee shop, people just think you're taking notes. They never pay attention. Well, they never pay attention anyway, even if they were to look and I had a bigger sketch. I could probably pull out a whole easel and nobody would pay attention. <laughs> you know, really everybody is just um, so focused on their own phones or their devices. Nobody is ever. I have. I just want to say this. I have never, ever, ever yet been caught or at least nobody has ever confronted me about sketching. So. <laughs> And part of that is just I have um, this a, a small sketchbook for in that situation because I, I like to be discreet. So those two sizes get me through everything.
1: Nice. And you, you mentioned colored pencils, but like a, as far as just pencils in general, what makes them a great tool for urban sketching?
3: Oh, well, let's see. Well, well, I'll just say my favorite pencil, my most versatile pencil for anything is the Blackwing MMX because I can do, I can write with that all the time. I I write notes with that, but I also sketch with it a lot. Um, So that would be kind of my most versatile, you know, every, everyday use kind of pencil. Hmm. Um, I also love um, high unis and, and and as a general category, I really, really love ridiculously soft graphite. I mean, like, um, I have this right now. I'm using the Staedtler Mars Lumograph in 12B. 12G. 12B? 12B, <laughs> yes, yes. It sounds like but, you need
0: a cup to carry that around. <laughs>
3: <laughs> just about, yes. And then, you know, that um, Tombow KM KKS in 6B? Yeah. Oh, love that one. That's and really then there's thing. a... yeah. And then the high uni and 10B, love that one too. So that whole, I, I always switch those out. Lots of different ones I'll switch out in my bag. Um, and then there's, um, oh, there's one by Biarco called Art Graph, and it's a water-soluble graphite. Mm-hmm. I love that one too. Cool. So th- did you ask me if why they were good for sketching? Is that the question? Or was that? Well, I, guess,
0: just... I guess I'd be interested to know like what Yeah, both. Yeah, why because is it because it's softer or is it because it's smooth or because you can smear it like why oh, those the soft, soft graphite?
3: Yeah. Oh, it yeah, I think it's it's very um expressive. You know, you can just I I will sometimes just use it from the side like I'll have um the side of the lead and not the point mm-hmm. so you can get a really broad stroke with it and um You know, like if you use something like that, like a 6B or a 12B or something like that on the expedition paper, it is amazing. I know people are always saying, oh, but doesn't it smear? Yeah, it does smear. But it is so amazing. It looks like a marker. It makes such a dark mark on that expedition paper. And boy, it's like skating on butter. (laughs) Maybe that's not the right. That's probably a mixed metaphor. But, you know, it's really, really nice. Yeah.
0: Do you... um? Do you find yourself sharpening a lot when you do this? Like, do you prefer like a long point or a short point or, and also do you like a race? What kind of accessories are you using?
3: Oh um, well, the yeah the colored pencils I keep sharp a lot, um, and I I use this little um, it's the little two hole brass M plus R, and that's mainly mm. because the the hole is one of the holes in that fits my favorite colored pencils, which are the Caran d'Ache Museum Aquarelles, and there the barrel is a tiny bit larger than. Standard pencils, so it's hard to find a, a sharpener that fits that. So yeah. anyway, um, I I do keep my colored pencils pretty sharp. Um, graphite, I don't really mind that much when it gets dull because when I'm drawing, because it's it's really more. Um, you know, I'm trying to actually avoid getting too picky with little tiny details and stuff because you know I, I don't I don't want to be there for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm trying not to be that uh, pointed. I would rather be a little bit dull in that, yeah. in that case. Um, eraser. Oh well, I'll, uh, eraser. Okay, I don't have anything against erasing, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't erase when I'm sketching because um, I I don't. Uh, I think I think the sketch becomes much more lively when your um, original line is still showing. So, you know, mm. I might do some lighter lines to begin to kind of uh, just frame the picture and see what it is I'm trying to compose. But then I get darker and darker and darker and I leave the lighter lines underneath and I don't take them away because I, I feel like that's all kind of part of the process. And so much of urban sketching, at least for me personally, is about the process, <clears throat> excuse me, and not uh, coming up with this finished thing that looks perfect. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Tina, the, the, the show is called Erasable. You have to <laughs> erase <like> erasing somehow.
3: <laughs> oh, well, if we want to talk about erasers. You know, I have this whole um, review on Anna's blog about um, hacking up black wings, ha- uh, hacking up erasers for black wings i hate black wing erasers they do not work and (laughs) i i hacked up about i don't know 10 different kinds of erasers um it's the tombow mono smart is the best eraser for if you want to hack it and put it on the end of your your black wing because it has to be the right balance between you know know how a soft eraser is usually better right it erases better But if it's too soft, it's gonna break off inside that ferrule. So I did a lot of experimenting and that Tombow Mono Smart is the best.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Were you the one who did it with the uh Koei Nor magic eraser and made just that like, cool swirled rainbow eraser?
3: No, I think that was Anna. Yeah, she did a big yeah. rub off where she did tested yeah. a whole bunch of erasers. Yeah.
0: That that particular eraser was too um uh too like crumbly to be a good uh like hackwing eraser but it looks so good
3: yes yes that is cool yeah, yeah.
2: awesome so you mentioned um adverse weather conditions in seattle and <laughs> i mean like today i'm super jealous of the weather you're probably experiencing but um what are some of the like harshest weather conditions that you've sketched in
3: Uh, well, um, I don't know how, maybe by, you know, Eastern standards, this really isn't that harsh, but I have sketched in snow and, you know, in Seattle, when it snows, it's not like super duper cold. It, It might only be like 35 or something like that. So, you know, I just put on a down jacket and a hood and it's really not that bad if I have, I have good fingerless gloves. So, um, and and again the expedition was really good. I mean there was actual snow flakes coming down out of the sky and they just <laughs> kinda land on the book and then and if you have a pencil, so you can't you can't do it with pen. See this is where you know people are always talking about what kind of pens write on the expedition. Well they're fine to write on dry, but if you try to write with a pen on a wet expedition page, no nah it just it just slides right off, right? But on the <laughs> other hand, a soft graphite pencil it will, it'll just, you can ride on it wet or dry. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so that's my recommendation. If you plan to sketch in adverse weather. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Noted. <laughs> uh, so uh over your time doing this, and also just being a fan of urban sketching, what are some of your favorite urban sketches this i mean could be ones that you've done or ones that you've seen just ones that stick out as kind of great examples or or just ones that have a good meaning or story behind them that's special to you
3: Hmm, wow so many um I, i guess i can't think of one particular one but um i do kind of have a broad category of what i what always attracts me the most and those are the ones that are about just ordinary people's um streets and alleys and neighborhoods you know like i I think about how um okay so if you if you were an urban sketcher and you went to paris well of course you have to sketch the eiffel tower right and i I did (laughs) i I (laughs) i went to paris and of course i sketched the eiffel tower but then to me the ones that became much more meaningful to me later and then also when i look at other people's sketches are the ones of just the parts that you never see you never even see photographs of Because it's where people live, Um, the back alleys, you know, the antennas, the laundry is hanging out behind. um, There's trash cans. That's the kind of stuff I really love to see um, of other people's sketches, and that's the kind of sketching I like to do when I travel, because that's where all the real people are living, not not where all the tourists are hanging out. And that really, it always resonates with me. And you know, some sometimes people will say. you, you really like trash cans, don't you? <laughs> and I, I, well, it's not so much that I like trash cans so much, <laughs> but, but to me, this is, you know, this is where people live. Um, everybody has trash and it's Thursday and we put it out in the alley. And I think that tells a lot more than um, come to Seattle and, and see the, um, the space needle. Right? Come to it's... Seattle,
0: we got trash. <laughs> exactly. Well, Tina, that's awesome. Um, last question for you. Um, how can, so, you know, people who are interested in what you're saying, but may just may not know much about it. Um, how can people get into urban sketching?
3: Well, if you're interested in the organization, Urban Sketchers, um, the, the global organization, um, it would be urg- urbansketchers.org. And there's a lot of resources there. There's workshops, um, how you can find a local group. Um, all that stuff is on that blog. And there's a lot, it's amazing, a lot of information, as well as people sketches and lots of resources there. Um, if you mean just the act of urban sketching, that um Uh, Get your butt outside and start doing it. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. That is exactly it. You know, and and people both in field nuts and erasables sometimes will contact me and say, oh, Tina, I I love what you do. You have really inspired me. I want to do this. And, you know, what kind of pencil should I get or whatever? There's there's kind of a lot of focus on materials. And I understand that because I'm a total material junkie too. Um, But I would say that the best advice to give anyone who wants to do it is to use whatever you're already comfortable with. Because you don't really want a whole nother hurdle to get over, like learning how to, you know, use um, something. I mean, when I first started urban sketching, I, uh, I looked around at all the other urban sketchers and I, everybody was using watercolor. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, OK, I guess everybody that's that's what I need to use because that's what everybody else is doing. And and because I like to stand up, it became this, this, this real struggle to juggle, you know, holding my watercolors and water and all this stuff when I'm standing up. And one reason that I switched to pencils and colored pencils was because of that hurdle. And um, again, I think if you are using something that you're already comfortable with, then just focus on the sketching and not worry about the materials that that would be my advice yeah is
0: there i feel like um we had vivian wegner on like maybe a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. i can't remember did y'all go was there like a convention that y'all went to
3: no um i didn't i didn't go to one with her but um there is um there is every year there's an urban sketchers symposium in a different city around the oh, world oh
0: cool okay yeah I just remember somebody posting uh pictures from that just looked really really interesting
3: Mhm- yeah, yeah, sadly not this year yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah that is true um well, Tina, thank you so much um is there anything that we um that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about?
3: No, I thought this was great you you know you guys have I just love listening to you guys every time, and it's Aww. so you you have great guests and uh, you always inspire me to just keep using my pencils and I learned so much. You know, I, I'm, I'm very colored pencil focused and yeah. I don't, I'm not that graphite focused, but I always learn a lot. And somehow, despite not being, and I say, I don't use graphite as much, but, well, I got a lot of pencils, <laughs> so I obviously <laughs> have been paying attention to you guys. And uh, yeah. what was yeah. that? Oh, oh, look it, there's a show note. Click. Click. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, for sure, like we we definitely recognize that you know the three of us all use pencils in kind of the same way, mostly for writing. So, you know, visual art is definitely a big um, a big weak spot. So whenever whenever we have like you know Anna on or you or somebody talking about um, talking about art. Um, It's always like hugely popular, so it's definitely something we should we should definitely be doing more often. So thank you, yeah, Uh, Tina. If people wanted to follow your your art and just follow you on the internet, how how could they do that?
3: My blog is fueled with clouds and fueled with clouds and coffee. Fueled by sorry I didn't get (laughs) my fueled by clouds and coffee. And I'm on Instagram as Miata Girl. That's M I A T A like the car and G R R L. It's a very 90s name because yeah, my, no, miata, my miata is a 96 and i'm still do you dry. still have your miata oh yeah yeah awesome. i still got it yeah
0: yeah that's really fun <laughs> well thank you tina so much for taking the time and thank coming you. on the show and sharing with us i appreciate it and being uh, it such a, a
1: great active fun. member of our our group
3: I yeah
0: sure
1: yeah uh, thank you
0: yeah thank you people to interact with yeah
3: oh <laughs> well, my, my dream is to meet all of you someday. I, I, I did meet Andy a couple of years ago, and I really yeah. want to meet Tim and Johnny, too.
0: Come on, guys. Get thee to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. I'll I, figure it out. I won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
2: Can I come live well, with um, you? Johnny, how can people find you on the internet? I am occasionally at pencilrevolution.com and on social media at Pen Solution.
1: Cool. And Tim? You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wassam, and I'm on Instagram at Timothy Wasom.
0: Awesome. And I'm Andy. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at awelfly, and you can find my blog at woodclinch.com. And this is the Erasable Podcast. Uh, we are on the web at erasable.us. Uh, this is episode 145, so you can find the recording and show notes at erasable.us slash 145. Um, you can come hang out with us and with Tina in our Facebook group uh, by going to facebook.com slash groups slash Erasable. We're about 4,300-ish members strong. Um, and you can, check out, uh, you can check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at Erasable Podcast. And also, um, if you feel so moved, uh, we have a Patreon. and We would love your support. Um, you can uh, go there and just you know, find plenty of different levels to uh, support the show and get extra content um, and speaking of which, we have people who uh, contribute at the producer level, um, I will thank here. Um, so thank you uh, so much to Alex Jonathan Brown, Anne Seip, Bob Ostwald, Bobby Letzinger, Chris Jones, Chris Metzkis, Chris Ulrich, Dave McDonald, Dave Tubman, Fourth Letter, Gangster Hotline, Hans Noodleman, Hunter McCain, Jacqueline Myers, James Dominguez, James Spear, Jason Dill, Jay Newton, Jamelia, Joe Crace, John Banan, Johnny Baker, Karen Peabody, Kathleen Rogers, Kelton Weins, Leslie Tuzo, Mary Collis, Measure Twice, Michael Dialosa, Mike Hagan, Millie Blackwell, O.A. Pryo, Random Thinks, Stuart Lennon, Tana Feliz, Terry Beth Ledbetter, and Think Travel Eat. Thank you so much, and uh, we will catch you in a couple weeks.
3: Do you like our podcast? Most people like our podcast, but if you don't like our podcast, they will turn it off.